Alexander Hamilton, whom I hope I can quote without sending my theater friends into a cringy public sing-along, is known for saying, The passions of men will not conform to the dictates of reason and justice, not without constraint. And just like that, the man on our 10 spots predicted nerd culture. Hi, my name's Michael Commit, and welcome to Downhill From Here. On today's episode, my friend Matt and I talk about nerd culture. Everything from movies and video games to old toys and religion, for some reason. If you're looking for intelligence, please turn around now. opportunity to you know be vacated from my home because we lived in the fallout zone for the fireworks show yeah and i thought about gonna go see a movie but like are there any i think the only movie i thought about seeing was like fast nine fast nine yes fast and furious the ninth movie have you seen the memes about dom and family no i haven't okay so one of the new memes that have come out from fast nine's release is uh, a bunch of like different universes and like movies and tv shows and they'll be like <laughs> we can't stop this indestructible monster you know like god uh mecha godzilla is going to take over the city and they'll be like not on my watch they're like dom toretto and he's like mecha godzilla may be strong but he isn't as strong as family <laughs> <laughs> and there's one for for thanos um, there's one where it's it's Infinity War and he's like family forever and he's doing the the Wakandan axe and he and you see like the charge and he's rushing forward and like his Mustang it's beautiful it's, it's probably my new favorite meme to come out of the summer of 2021. Are the vehicles in the Fast and Furious movie branded? Like, can you see the make and model of each vehicle, or do they have to cover that up for like legal reasons? That's a good question. I haven't seen a fa- I haven't like paid attention in a Fast and Furious movie in forever, um, so I don't have a good answer for that. Because I'm just like imagining it's like every single car maker out there has the perfect opportunity to basically do product placement the movie with the Fast and Furious franchise. I, yeah, so like, I think the model of cars are pretty recognizable, but I think like the logos themselves are are colored out just so they can use the cars themselves, if I remember correctly. I guess so. And I imagine if they did have the make and model, it basically would, at that point, just be a giant ad for vehicles. Uh, Honestly, right now, the Fast and Furious series has just become a superhero series with cars made for made for kids who like cars exactly Um, actually i read something about the creation of like some of fast and furious most infamous scenes is that they were made by kids of like the director and the screenwriters and then they surprised yeah (laughs) and they they took that and they went okay what's the crazy beautiful genius idea that a kid would have and they asked you know these kids and they're like Okay, this is the setup for our world. What would you do for the car? And the kid would go, I'm going to jump from building to building with the car. Or like, I'm going to take a magnet and I'm going to attach to the car and the car is going to go flying. I'm going to hire Dwayne the Rock Johnson to literally bicep curl a Black Hawk by its tow cable. That sounds cool. Onto the back of a moving caravan of trucks that are also towed together. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so a lot of it's done by kids, which honestly for me makes Fast and Furious better than it already is, which it's already pure fun, sheer, turn off your mind entertainment. Exactly. But knowing that it's made by kids 
for kids is just really funny. Yes, we took the Nickelodeon logo and or the Nickelodeon slogan and basically made a series about racing cars about it. Yeah. Well, and like the message is pretty good for kids to see too. Like, you know, it's all about making sure that your family is your world. That is true. That's like it's such a isn't that a great message to tell kids? That is. I also love Fast and Furious being a textbook and super easy, barely an inconvenience, as most <laughs> people would say. It is, it is a pitch meeting, super convenient, barely an inconvenient. Yeah. I think I think my favorite of all of those moments, because there's a lot of them. Oh, absolutely. But I think my favorite one came from Hobbs and Shaw, where they're on Samoa, and they're about to fight all the dudes. And I couldn't help but notice, it's like, yes, if we hack into their guns, which is a thing, evidently, we can turn them off for roughly 10 minutes. And so they turn them off, and they start duking it out with these dudes. And it starts, like, sometime, like, at dusk or something. And 10 minutes pass, and it's, like, 12 p.m. I said, oh, wow, yeah. I, 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 I forgot just, about that. Yeah, time moves fast. Time moves fast when you're around the rock. Because... You could say it moves fast and furious. But uh, I also know where the door is, so I can see myself out. Yes, um, anyone listening to this did not see me, did not see myself internally cringe at that. But you uh, know what? We'll take it. You might be able to hear the faint face palm that Michael did. But who knows? You might be able to feel a part of me die inside. Yeah. But then again, this is Fast and Furious we're talking about. I don't think cringe is going to kill anyone if it already hasn't. Cringe is dangerous, but not as dangerous as family. That's... <laughs> even better. When your family is just a bunch of cringe stuff, then it's even better. <laughs> On the topic of cringe, though, what has been like, like in terms of media, what has been like the cringiest thing you've ever seen? Furries. That we can talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, da, 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 da. I think the cringiest thing I've ever seen are like people who get really upset about movie plots. Like they get angry about it. Because I understand you watch a movie... And the plot goes in a direction that you don't like. And you're like, man, that was kind of disappointing. I imagine being disappointed, maybe even a, like a little bit upset. Like, oh, well, they, they ruined what I thought was going to be really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but people who get mad about it and like, how dare you do this? Uh, it just like, I feel like it's really cringe. Just cringe to like be entitled to feel like everyone has to cater to your opinionated view of how things are supposed to go. But if like, Black Panther had used his power about this, Thanos wouldn't have won. It's like, Mike, quit ruining the movie. Yeah, dude, I think the movie's fine just as it is, you know? I think there are some exceptions, like, we will forever bag on the Star Wars sequels. That is a that is a given constant. Oh, okay. Well, most of them. Yeah. Most I, uh, parts of most of them. Honestly, I, I have a very interesting feelings about the sequel trilogy, which yeah. are not, like the common consensus i actually think the last jedi is the most ambitious and like decent film out of all of them i think so yeah i because uh what you call it the force awakens is episode four with the new skin yeah um that's not really ambitious at all and then you have the rise of skywalker which is just trying to undo all of the changes that the last jedi did that were these huge massive changes um so that jj abrams could go on with his own set plot that he couldn't 
do because he wasn't in charge of all three films. Mm. Um, which, but The Last Jedi is the one that says, hey, what if we did Star Wars a little bit differently? What if we didn't follow all of the set norms, you know? Sure, we'll have the white planet where we have the Rebellion's last stand. Sure, we'll have the epic space chase. We'll have the force training, like the Empire Strikes Back. But, like, what if there were different beats? What if the Jedi Master wasn't this, like, guy who was in hiding because of his, you know, for safety of his life, um, because his life was in danger? But what if it's this old crotchety dude who was worried about himself hurting other people by being a part of the universe? Or, like, what if the bad guy tells the good guy not that she's related to him but that her relationship like to her parents doesn't matter because her parents were nobodies and like i think that's so interesting it takes those classic twists that we remember from empire and does but what if they were the opposite what if we flip them and i always thought that was really cool um and also the scene uh in like the pit of the last jedi with the mirror is chilling i i love that scene and that one's not bad, I guess. Yeah. I remember when I first saw The Last Jedi in theaters back in 2018, and I came out with the feeling of, okay, that was entertaining, but it certainly was flawed. But at the same time, it was, yeah. And yeah. then and then, the, and then the community came apart in the next few months, and I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, the community definitely did not take to it as much as other people did. But I think, honestly, in most categories, it's extremely well done. I mean, the soundtrack is as good as Star Wars always is. I mean, John Williams knocks it out of the park. That's better than some others. Yeah. Not as good as Revenge of the Sith. Not, you can't really compare to Revenge of the Sith. No, you got to go outside of Star Wars to find a score that's better. And even then... It gets kind of hard. I mean, what is it? Is it Clash of Heroes? It's the Anakin-Obi-Wan battle uh, theme? Very good. Uh, I can't think of a lot of better climactic final battle themes even Duel of the Fates struggles to keep up with it. Yeah, I feel like that's because, like, in episode one, Duel of the Fates was, like, the one highlight of the entire score from that movie. Because, like, everything else outside of Duel of the Fates was, like, it was okay, but it wasn't, like... It's not memorable. Yeah, but, like, in episode three, we had, like, memorable track after memorable track, and then uh, it ended on The, the Order Battle of the 66 Heroes. theme? Where men cried, man. Yeah, where men cried. that's where men cry. Uh, so good. I loved how in the final season of the Clone Wars they played I'm So Sorry when Ahsoka got betrayed by uh, Captain Rex and the other guys in the 501st. I thought that was an excellent, excellent score choice. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That last season was just really good all around. Yeah. This is all a lot more mature than a lot of the other seasons of Clone Wars. That's what I love. I love it when, like, uh, cartoons have what is basically uh, a reboot, more or less. But the creators know that their main audience has grown up a bit, and so they make it just a little more mature. They did that with Samurai Jack Season 5. Right. And I love that. That season of Samurai Jack was exceptional. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of really great moments in that. There were. The fight with the Daughters of Aku, so good. Jack straight up murders fools in that series. And then he has a moral crisis about killing them. Because he realizes they're not robots or like evil spirits. And then you get that flashback scene where his dad sort of kills some bandits who thought they could, you know, take on Jack's dad. Yeah. Anyone listening to this who doesn't know Samurai Jack is going to be super confused, but consider it a promo. Yeah. Uh, watch Samurai Jack. Um, it's, I think it's on HBO Max now. Um, it's very, very good. Not, hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored in any way. I don't, they don't even make the show anymore, but still. Uh, Gendy Tarvosky is one of the greatest animators of our time. He's not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, his resume is Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, 
Star Wars Clone yeah, the, Wars. Uh, the 2003 Clone Wars yeah. series. Very good. He has, he has a pedigree of a resume. He's kind of up there with Dave Filoni in my book. Oh, Dave. Cowboy Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah. What it? That man, that man understands George Lucas's vision better than anyone. I don't know why they didn't have him on the sequel trilogy. You know, neither did I. Probably because he wasn't uh, on the scene yet, you can say. Well, he had Actually, to have already been on the, scene. on the scene. for Clone I mean, Wars. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he'd already made his name with Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, he had been doing Clone Wars for a few years up to that point. Um, and I think they had already started Rebels by the time the sequels were announced. So, he was an established force in the Star Wars community. Um, but I think Dave Filoni definitely needed to be involved with the sequel trilogy um, because I think he would have kept it on track with George's vision. Yeah, or at least, would have. yeah, or George's vision of the world. In some alternate reality, we had the sequel trilogies directed by Dave Filoni and <laughs> John Favreau, and to balance it out, that reality probably just sucks IRL more. That reality probably doesn't have the Mandalorian. Reality can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> Just like Thanos snaps Dave Filoni to be the head of Lucasfilm. I'd, I'd, I'd back Thanos in yeah. that. Well, there were rumors for a long time that there was a civil war going on behind the scenes at Lucasfilm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there was a faction that was trying to keep Kathleen Kennedy in power. And then another faction that was trying to like get Dave and John Favreau to like positions of power. Which is really interesting to me. Because it's like... Okay, so p- picture this. So, uh, scene from Revenge of the Sith... You know, Mace Windu, Yoda, Lea Sakura, that whole hologram. I sense a plot to disturb the, destroy the Jedi, right? Imagine that scene, but it's like, uh, you got labels of, like, Clone Wars fans, and you have, like, sequel fans off in the distance. I sense a plot to destroy Star Wars. <laughs> I, I sense a plot to destroy the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see, like, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and, like, uh... I guess I could say George Lucas, but he's kind of too obvious to pick. But somebody else, like, walk into Miss Kennedy's office... <laughs> In the name of the Galactic Senate of the oh. franchise. <laughs> In the name of the franchise Senate, you're under arrest. I am the Senate. Whoa! <laughs> Don't think that fight would go down as well as that one did. Uh, I think it'd be a lot faster. Yeah, probably. Real talk, though. Do you think Mace Windu's alive? Oh, it's a good theory. Very good theory. I can see it. I can see it both ways. I can see him getting hit by a car on the way down and <laughs> dying. Just... Uh, but I could also see him, like falling and then he regains like consciousness on the way down and was like oh yeah i'm falling i should hide and he's just now and then he can show up in any series now as this bitter old man who's completely disillusioned with the jedi order as he knows it but still kicks butt yeah totally it's funny (laughs) when i when i was a kid i made fan fiction about mace windu being alive all right that's good fan fiction right uh i mean it was just like i i drew like a little like i was 10 i drew like a comic like yeah mace windu survived and he came back and he fought palpatine he had a robot arm and it was grappling hook and it was super cool you know like that that, like kid stuff when you're a kid everything sounds awesome then you look back and you're like yeah this is maybe a little bit exaggerated yeah yeah it's like the innocence of childhood i guess so I still have all of my Legos from my childhood stored back in my home in St. George. Gosh, I love Legos. And I feel kind of bad because, like, I grew up on Bionicle. That was the ish, man. I freaking love Bionicle. Dude, we were the same era. Bionicle's dope. Oh, yeah. 
I'm uh I'm partially glad that no one's tried to make like a revamped series about Bionicle, or at least not since the 2013 attempt. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of want to see like shoot, maybe Dave Filoni, one of those guys, like create a Dave Bionicle. Filoni in charge of Bionicle. Wow, that's terrifying. Like that sounds terrifyingly good. I know, like, I don't know if he knows the lore, per se, but I could see it if he did. I would be interested to, like, have a super fan come in as, like, a lore advisor. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, uh, I used to read the comics pretty heavily, Mm -hmm. way, way back when they used to come with Lego Magazine. Hashtag not sponsored, by the way. Um, I don't know if Lego Magazine even publishes anymore. (laughs) I think they still do. I think most of their stuff's online now, though. Ugh. Well, there goes our childhood. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Rip. Yeah, but I used to, they used to come out with a Bionicle comic every month, um, and I would read those things ravenously. Um, Mata Nui and Makuta and the Toa Igna and all that stuff. I loved it. I ate it up. And I, I bought, like, all of those, all the sets that I could. It was awesome. Toa Matoro, man. Pour one out for our homeboy Matoro. Yeah. Rip. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. He uh, says, I guess. The, the, yeah. Uh, and always the best part about Bionicles was the fact that, like, they came with creature builds. So if you had the sets, you could make some of, like, the wild creatures of Bionicle. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I had a book about, like, the bestiary of Bionicle creatures and, like, how to build a couple of them, which was awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I could never get myself to take apart my Toa as soon as I built them just because I thought they just looked so pure. That plus I, young seven-year-old me, had a bad habit of tossing away the instructions when they were built, so I didn't know how to... Yeah, put it back them. together. Yeah. but I, uh, I used to mix and match arms, so like, and weapons and stuff, and then I'd like have to play fight each other, and then they'd lose an arm, because it's so easy to have a bionicle losing arm. I love how more, like, more mature the fights with your toys became the older you got, if you held on to them. Yeah. It slowly went from Sarge's Heroes to Saving Private Ryan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I think my favorite thing I ever did with my Bionicles, there was another Lego product that came out in my time called ExoForce, which was basically... Uh, was that like the drilling? Uh, or am yeah. I thinking of something else? No, ExoForce was kind of like... It was basically Lego's attempt to make an anime out of Lego, and they had like guys in mech suits, and you find Oh, right, right, right. So I did combine those sets when I was older, and then I invented this lore of basically... Oh my gosh, I sound like a freaking nerd. I invented this universe where Bionicle and them crossed over, and they fought each other, these Toa figures versus these Lego mech suits that were as tall as they were. Into my senior year, man. I have no regrets. Oh, that's that sounds awesome. I know, dude. Lego was Lego was awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything is awesome. They had an awesome video game on the GameCube, like Bionicle Heroes. I think I had that. It one. was a third-person shooter. Yeah, I, I did have that. It one. was so good. I kind of wish they had a story to it though, because it did get repetitive. It was. I mean, it was just levels, and you're fighting the Paranka. Yeah. But uh, at the end, you fought the dude on that giant like spider thing mm-hmm. that was pretty cool i forgot what his name was oh it was like scaven or something like that something like that i kind of wished i anyone listening to this is gonna have no idea what we're talking about but that's okay i think my favorite era of bionicle was after the toa Naika, where it's the same guys but they're down in ma in uh, marinui the underwater yeah in the underwater yeah. and they had like the the water designs mm-hmm. yeah that was cool that was the closest 
Okay, so I really... The aesthetics for the Toa set were pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. They weren't the best. They were a little... They were a little... Uh, there wasn't as much fleshed out uh, detail as I'd like. But they were still really cool. Like, they gave Holly wings. Yeah. That, and those wings were sweet, man. Yeah. I have the Fire Toa for the underwater set. Yeah, that was... I remember a, building him. That was dope. Toa Jaller, man. Yeah. Yeah. I also loved the Baraki design they did for that. Those guys were really cool. Absolutely. What can I say? I'm a sucker for underwater things, which is also why I like Subnautica. That's a great game. I just bought Subnautica last night. How do you like it? I, it's good. I watched uh, Jack Sektorkai's playthrough of the, the original game years back. I mm-hmm. uh, loved it, and I was like, one day I'll get it. And it's on sale for a Steam sale. Uh, it's $14. Um, and then uh, you can buy it in a pack with uh, Below Zero for like 40 bucks instead of 80 yeah. which is awesome. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I'm working on Below Zero right now, and uh, it's uh, it's not as... Uh, it doesn't feel as open world as the first Subnautica, but it's still great. But I loved the first Subnautica. Yeah, for the, I'm having an awesome time. I just built my Seamoth last night. Nice. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's my little underwater car. I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, that the, works. the Cyclops is kind of like the underwater semi. Yeah. Yeah. Immobile base. And the Mantis is your underwater, like, mech suit. Mm-hmm. Or, I think it's a prawn. The Mantis prawn is suit. from Halo. Yeah. Well, they're similar insects in some degree or another. Yeah. Prawns Actually, are. No, one is prawns are shrimp yeah. and mantises are insects, so, you know. Yeah, there's got to be some similarity in there. <laughs> <laughs> they have tiny little arms. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, I, uh, yeah, but I found my first little lion thing right before I finished playing last night, and I was like, ah! Oh, yeah, those are, those are memorable. Huge, dude. Yeah. Huge. If I could probably summarize Subnautica, I could probably give it the title of, what the frick is that? Yeah. The game. <laughs> What's this? What's this? What's this? Gets eaten by a reaper. Yeah. Once again, not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored, but seriously, Subnautica is a beautiful game if you want to buy it for $15 on Steam. Yeah, you've got till the 8th. Not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. Uh, Although this might go up after the Steam sale ends, so sorry about that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I also got, yeah, no, the Steam sale's been pretty good for me since the first one I've been like, I had a job for and I've been getting paid. Mm -hmm. So I had some cash to spend around and I got Final Fantasy XII. This is one I've been wanting to play for a long time. Back on the subject of franchises that don't seem to end. Yeah. Well, Final Fantasy will never end. It's, which is ironic because it's Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, yeah. Yeah. The, the real Final Fantasy is the fantasy that we made a... Finaled on the way. Yeah, we finaled on the way. <laughs> yeah. Now, whatever, I guess. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, I, I've been playing that a lot, too. And... Other than that, I've been going through Pokemon Snap on Switch, which has been pretty exciting. And uh, those are most of the games I've been playing. Oh, and Destiny 2. I play Destiny 2 pretty regularly. So. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. I love it. I honestly think your computer could probably actually run it. 20 frames a second, granted. but Yeah, I can blink faster than my computer can generate <laughs> motion. You're, uh, you, you were playing Rome Total War, <laughs> it was like... <laughs> it, was, it was ever so slightly chugging, I'm not yeah. going to lie. It was, I think it was roughly like 30 frames a second. What's weird is that this computer plays Medieval 2 totally fine, and that game's newer than Rome. 
by two years, mind you. It might be because Rome's just a little bit bigger and, and the back end. Buggier. Yeah. I freaking love the bugs in Total, the old Total War games. They were so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, still, though, on the subject of stupidity, uh, I went to Five Guys today. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Every time I go to Five Guys, I have to remind myself that for some odd-ended reason, those guys have a weird policy of, unless you tell us what you want on your burger, you are just going to get a thing of meat on a bun. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it totally threw me off guard because I said, okay, yeah, let me just get two hamburgers, uh, lettuce wrap style, because I'm trying to be healthy, and then one second later, with a regular drink. Oh, and, yeah. So that's just meat and lettuce. Yeah, exactly. And they came out with meat and lettuce. I said, no, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was trying to be healthy, but I was thinking to myself later, it's like, you know, I wonder what that must have looked like. Guy walks into the Five Guys CEO headquarters, like, all right, boss, listen up. Compared to guys like In N Out, uh, uh, name some other brands. In and out McDonald's, McDonald's, Wendy's, Wendy. Burger King. We're doing better than most of them, but we're still behind. But we have no original ideas. What should we do? <laughs> Burger and lettuce. <laughs> Burger and lettuce. What do you mean? We have the customer order whatever they want. As in, unless they tell you what you want. Burger and lettuce. Burger and lettuce. <laughs> Boss, you, you sure that's you sure that's the right idea? Absolutely. Um, are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure. At the in the meantime, let's just you know throw a bunch of peanuts in there and then just you know fill their <laughs> the bag peanut. with <laughs> fill the bag with fries. Yes, fill the bag with fries. Like I love when you get Five Guys and the bag is just soaked with grease. Yeah, from all the fries they just pile in. It's there. like five dollars for a thing of fries, but you fill the, the entire bag, so I feels like it's worth it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's I I don't know. Like if I get my meal. And it's literally just absorbing grease. I'm always apprehensive to eat it. Like even my, even my burger and lettuce today, still had grease coming off of the burp patty itself. I'm like, oh wow, this is comforting. <laughs> lettuce, grease, and meat. Yep. Yeah. I got your five food groups right here. <laughs> <laughs> your five food groups. That's that's good. Yeah, it's good. What are some other moments in your life where you've noticed like? companies doing kind of weird stuff like that and then just rolling with that as their identity for brand oh gosh i don't know i don't know if i've ever had an experience like lettuce and meat <laughs> it's your bread and water <laughs> here's bread and water uh i don't know i respect olive garden for the audacity to make unlimited bread that is true mm-hmm. um so shout outs to them uh you know what you're doing, and uh, somehow it's working. Once again, not sponsored. Not sponsored. But go on down to, Gar to Olive Garden and get your free breadsticks. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, on the topic of food, I'm trying to decide if I want to get food like now or if I just want to wait. Because a couple of buddies of mine are going to do like a, like a Taco Tuesday midnight run. Oh, man. And I was like, I can wait till then. But that's like two and a half hours from now or I can get something small to tide me over in between but I'm like I'm still like debating throwing it up in the air and I'm not sure I don't know midnight taco runs with the boys are uh you can't find any better experience of bonding between two straight dudes one of my first uh one of my first semesters at BYU our RA used to organize Sunday night into Monday morning in and out runs we'd go we'd like leave Helaman Halls where we were living at like 11.56, 
get to in and out by like midnight oh one on that Monday morning and we'd buy some burgers and just chill and hang out. Um, in and out I'm from New York. Uh, in and out's not very good quality, but like the price was good and it was just fun to just hang out with a bunch of bros. There you go. Yeah. It was that was the most important part. I know New York is known for pizza, but are they known for anything else? Uh yes. Uh, New York has the infamous reputation of if you go to eat food there, you will never find food that tastes that good anywhere else. I see. Yeah. So it's just a lot of high quality food that really tempers your expectations for everything else. So that being said, what's your opinion on Chicago pizza? You mean you mean sauce cake? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's sauce cake. Cool. I just always thought it was funny, the hilarious infighting that occurs in between America's yeah. cultures. It's just not good either. It's just really bready and there's too much sauce and there's not enough cheese. But whereas a thin style New York style pizza, it's perfect ratio. You've got thin crust, thin layer of sauce, perfect layer of cheese. The proportions are just right. One of these days, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I say, one of these days, I got to make my way back to New York and actually experience it the way I should have. Oh, absolutely. Because I went. I don't know if I ever told you my New York City escapade. Yeah, you went with a, like a tour, right? Yeah, church slash national history tour because evidently New York City has ties to church history. Yeah. No, actually, I guess it does. But <laughs> basically, but I think it was more for country history than anything. Right. But so I just remember that. It's like, you know, it, as someone from Las Vegas... I feel like if I wanted to go tour something that is known for being extravagant, I'd want to go on my own itinerary and not on the itinerary of someone who wanted to keep everyone else in the group in check. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, is a good thing, but you're inevitably going to wind up with the boring crew if you don't play your cards right, and I suck at poker. So, yeah. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I won't repeat everything I told to you, but I still remember walking through Central Park on our quote-unquote tour of Central Park. And there was this homeless dude who was harassing people as we were walking by. Not gonna Crazy. lie. I mean, I thought that was kind of bad, but at the same time, kind of horribly iconic as well. Right. But at the same... What can I say? It was the East Coast, and I was from the west side of the country. Yeah. Then again, I was also from Vegas, so I guess I wasn't too surprised. Yeah. There was a lot more gentlemen clubs in Brooklyn than I thought there would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the vibe. Hmm. Oh, dude. dude. Dude, dude, I miss it. I haven't been home to New York in like a year. But I'm headed back home east uh, a week and a half from now, which nice. is exciting. Uh, so I'll go on a bit of a little vacation in the middle of the semester, which will be super great. Oh, I can't wait. That sounds fun. Yeah. Very exciting. I'm trying to think here. What other places on the East Coast have you been to besides, you know, where you've lived? Um, I've been up to uh, New England, um, that area, Massachusetts. I went to a aquarium up there for a day trip. That was really dope. Um, I serve my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in North Carolina. And they, they kept you all on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's funny, I, I left New York to fly to the Missionary Training Center here in Provo, Utah, and, and then, then I right flew back. back to North Carolina. You came here to get enough of Provo culture to never come back to it. Uh, honestly, amen. <laughs> and here we are, 
at BYU. And here we are at BYU. You're absolutely right. Oh, this town. I, I will say this. Um, my perspective on my religion and my faith has been pr- profoundly affected by the culture here in Provo. In more, and not just good ways, but also in interesting ways. Um, which I did not expect coming out of here for school. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. I guess it's kind of weird because even in Las Vegas, there's a large majority of members of the church. But coming to Provo, where everyone's yeah. a member of the church, it's like, holy smokes, these guys are nuts. Well, and not only like everyone's a member of the church, but also everybody's a member of the church and has been for their entire life. And their family dates back to the original congregation in like 1820, 1830. What's that one song from Sons of Provo? Denley Wack Mac, Mormon Daddy. Oh, I hate that song. I It's just crazy to me. As my, my mom joined the church when she was 18, 19. And she had me a couple of years later. Um, so I, I grew up in the church but as, as the, the child of a convert. So basically, I just kind of... I didn't really grow up in the conventional church. Um, and then coming out here and being with people who like, I don't know, they took the, I don't want to say they took the gospel for granted, but they had a different relationship with it than I had. Um, it, it was kind of eye-opening. Uh, and I was like, wow, I have to remember that people are different. Yeah. And uh, that's the key of it. Yeah. It's always nice when you get to get out of this town, though. <laughs> Amen. I know we were watching Independence Day last night, and I remember you weren't there, you weren't there when uh, we were talking about it with the group. We were asking ourselves, you know, what would happen like if a giant alien saucer did appear over other places other than like you know the big American cities? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and let's just assume that these aliens aren't aggressive like the Harvesters. What would each what would each population try to do? I no I I can only speak for New Yorkers. I think they'd probably freak out and run. Hmm. Uh, they don't really like it when uh, things are flying in the sky like that. Yeah, I can't blame you guys. I feel like in Las Vegas, people would just kind of throw a party. Like I don't know why, but I can't see mass panic in Vegas. Like I guess I could, but at the same time, I feel like no one would care that much. Yeah. Other than like, oh yeah, those those guys are here now. Cool. I mean, Nellis would probably be up and doing something, but other than yeah, that... Yeah, if, if Nellis wasn't doing something, I'd be a little bit concerned. Yeah. So, don't worry, guys. This is all part of a drill. How long have you known these guys for? All part of a drill. All part of a drill. We've been storing secret communications in the basements of the Walmart on Craig and Nellis, which is like in the super ghetto of Vegas. Yeah. Were you here when we did the Godzilla vs. Kong? Yeah. I uh, set it up on my laptop. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> oh, that was so dumb. I love that movie. That's so funny. That whole that, that whole monster verse. Like, I love how if you compare the trailers from like the different monster verse movies, they just get less and less serious. Yeah. So, like uh, in the King of Monsters trailer, it's like super sentimental, end of the world vibes, and then it comes to Godzilla v Kong. It's just literally a WWE walkout. Kong bows to no one. We need Kong. The world needs him. Oh, no, 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 no. I think the big quote was, Godzilla's out there hurting people. We don't know why. Godzilla's out there hurting people, and we don't know why. But let's be honest. We don't watch those movies for the humans. If you watch giant monster movies for the human aspect, uh, you're a sociopath. 
Or you just like human conflict and strange situations? I guess so. Which yeah. also means you're a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is fun then. So who do we want to see those guys fight next? I want to see Godzilla go up against the Buzzsaw Gigan. Nice. Yeah. Gigan is awesome. Very strange design for a realistic monster verse, but I love it. You know, but the way they're rolling, if they can buy the rights, why not? Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm just kind of waiting for them to do Pacific Rim meets Godzilla. They planned that a long time ago. I don't know what ever happened to that. Who knows? It was just too good to be true. Yeah. Uh, one day we'll get a second Mechagodzilla versus Godzilla movie. I can't wait. They're just going to keep cranking those out as long as people watch them every generation. That's that's how it was back in the day, too. With the original Japanese Godzilla movies. Toho, right? With the Toho era. Mm -hmm. Did you ever... uh, Did you know about the Dark Universe attempt? Yes. Uh, With the mummy. Yeah, they tried to do it with the mummy and Tom Cruise. Yep. It didn't really work out. No, it didn't. Mostly because it didn't have Brendan Fraser in The Mummy. Exactly. What is your opinion on like the old Mummy movie? I adore them. I watched all three of them one summer just for kicks and was like, yeah, this was this was not a waste of my time. Um, the first one, I think, is like a classic. Yeah, that is hands down the best one. Yeah. Mummy 2 is interesting. Because uh, that's the one with Dwayne the Rock Johnson as a CGI yeah, it's the CGI bomb. Yeah, I was about to say the um, same thing. But it also has an airship in it, like a hot air balloon airship, which is pretty dope. And then uh, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I just like Chinese culture, and also like this like World War Two ish era. It was also really interesting to see our heroes in, uh, and Jet Li was in it, and Jet Li's an awesome fighter so. i suppose that is true i always thought that one had a little more cgi in it than they probably needed to roll with but yeah then again with some of the set pieces they did that's not too surprising it, there was also a huge gap between two and three which uh also meant that technology changed quite a bit those were good movies good fun movies um well i'm reaching time I know. But uh, I, one thing I'll leave you guys before I head down, I've got some more work responsibilities and you get to, um, is stay in school, don't do drugs, and um, got to catch them all. It is okay to be a nerd. There is no shame in enjoying what you love. Cool. Whether that be sports, art, video games about dogfighting tiny animals that with magical electric powers, or sponsorships. Or, or or hashtag not sponsored. Mm. Alright, thank you for having me on, Michael. This was awesome. Hey, no problem. You know me, we're not looking for any enlightenment here. <laughs> we're just looking to have a good time. Exactly. One of these days, we gotta get Nick and Kainoa on and do something yeah. dumb. Uh, get, those, get our friends back here, and that'd be great. I know, then... Thank you for listening to this episode of Downhill From Here. Feel free to follow and subscribe so that you can support a sellout like myself. Once again, I'm Michael Commit, and you are a beautiful person, and I hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>